Hey there, friends. Hope you're having a great day, and welcome to Fresh Beans. I'm your host, Jim Sonoka. Pull up a comfortable chair, pour yourself a cup of fresh joe, and let's dive in together. Hey, good day, friends. This is Pastor Jim Sonoka. Welcome to episode four of Fresh Beans Podcast. I'm totally excited today because we're here in the office with Ross Crawford. What's up, Chief? How are you, my brother? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Ross is our youth director here at Owasso First United Methodist Church, and I cornered him the other day in the office and said, hey, would you like to be on the podcast and tell your story? Why not? Right? Why not? Yeah. Here we are. All right. So we're, we know you're going to enjoy this. Uh, we're just going to kind of dive into his life, uh, talk about faith. And we're actually going to pitch some new ideas that are going on in the youth ministry uh, so that you'll uh, know about some of the exciting opportunities to come worship and be a part of our church here. So welcome Absolutely. to the podcast, Ross. Thanks, Pastor Jim. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. This is going to be fun. All right, so let's just start from the beginning, brother. Where did you grow up? Well, I grew up, uh, well, let's start back. You know, I'm a pastor's kid. My dad's oh, a Methodist no. minister. We'd... Yeah, I know, I know. Okay, I know. Care- careful. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a uh, difficult path, but uh, it also comes with a lot of really cool benefits. We'll get to that later. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, um, in Waukeda, Oklahoma, I was born in Enid, uh, my dad was doing a, a double charge out there in, uh, I think it was Tacoma and Waukeda. And so a little town of 500. And so that's where it started. And then we went to Fort Gibson and spent, spent some time in Fort Gibson too. met my lifelong best friend, uh, in Fort Gibson. But really, if I had to say like, I grew up here, it'd probably be Claremore, uh, right down the road, which is actually one of the reasons that I was so excited about coming to Owasso is because... I, th- like, we came over here to Owasso all the time growing up, so I already knew Owasso really well. Yeah, we went and grabbed you. We hired you away from uh, out west. Yes, yeah. So, so that's being born out in Enid. Uh, it was kind of ironic. I actually got a chance to go uh, serve at First United Methodist Church in Enid, uh, about ten, actually, not even that, about five minutes from where I was born. So uh, that was fun too. Yeah, I was right before, right before here. Ah, cool. So, uh, tell me a fun story or two uh, about growing up as a pastor's kid. Well, you know, a little bit. I think it's a lot better now, but I know that that especially in small town Oklahoma, sometimes uh, there can be a lot of expectations placed on pastors' kids oh, yeah. because of you know. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure your kids have maybe talked to you about some of that too. Never. But no, never. <laughs> of course not. No, life is perfect. So, um, but I remember, I remember a couple, I mean, I was just, gosh, I was awful pastor. It was, it was rough. I, I'll tell you one, 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 one time, uh, there was a sweet old lady named Rosemary and she lived next door to us and the parsonage was right across the street in Fort Gibson. This is Fort Gibson. So, so in Fort Gibson, the parsonage was right across the street. And we had a neighbor uh, named Rosemary, and uh, my friend Anthony and I had um, been reading these Western uh, cowboys and Indians books, you know, and and had been like, oh, and so we were playing, you know, the typical 
you know, oh, I'm a cowboy, oh, I'm an Indian stuff that we did, you know, when, when we were younger in the, in the 90s. And <laughs> so uh, we actually ended up, uh, we found a, um, we found a dead bird in the side yard. Oh, no. And one of the things that we read in this book was how uh, people mark their territory in the West. So we put this dead bird on a stick and went over to our neighbor Rosemary's yard and stuck it on the edge. And my dad got a call in about 30 minutes from someone at the church across the street saying, hey, your son and another boy are sticking dead animals on sticks and placing them in our congregation's yards. And so uh, that was kind of the beginning of, uh, I remember my dad talking to me at that point and that was like, hey Ross, so I know that it's not super fair, but you're, you're, kind of the decisions you make also reflect on me yeah so if you could in the future please don't put dead birds on sticks in my congregation's yards and so from then on uh i kind of realized okay this is different i gotta kind of walk this fine line between um you know being being you know free to to grow and express myself as i grow up but also remembering that like part of being in a family with a pastor as a father is is i'm in ministry too yeah and so yeah. one of the things i tell the youth sometimes and they're like when have you, how long have you been in ministry every once in a while i'm like well kind of since i've been born <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> so, absolutely yeah so tell us about school um favorite memories from schools you attended and where'd you graduate from to some things like that yeah, um, so high school was Claremore, um, which was great because... Um, all four years? All four years. Okay. All yeah. four years. I uh, did some band for a little bit, played some football. Um, I ended up uh, um, just kind of kind of sticking on the on the fringe of the music scene and kind of ended up joining a punk band and, and uh, through my junior and senior year of high school, so I... I quit band, but music was always really big, uh, a big part of my life in high school. Um, and uh, graduated in 07. Okay, yeah. So, and I was a zebra. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, band and football intrigued me. What did you play in the band? I played the quints, which were, which were the quads, you know, the... Quads fancy drums one. that yeah it's like a little layout in front of you and you got yeah <laughs> so we had quads and then there was a little tiny drum in the middle so we called it quince yeah yeah and uh it was it's a lot of fun it was really just patterns i've always been pretty good with patterns so just remembering which drums to hit was but uh and i played bass drum for a little bit and i played snare actually now i think about it i kind of jumped around okay played a little bit of everything yeah, on the drum yeah. line yeah so how'd that work out playing band and football um, so I remember, um, jumping on the sidelines, uh, as soon as it was halftime and thrown on quince and marching Whoa. on pads. So that was interesting. Um, there wasn't really a break for me at <laughs> Man, that's all in. <laughs> but if we played, if we played bad, I got out of, um, the yell in the locker room. So <laughs> there you go. What position did you play? Uh, fullback. Fullback. Yep. All right. Fullback, yeah. All right. So graduated from Claremore. Mm -hmm. And then uh, what was the next step for you in life? 
Next next step for me in life. Uh, now here's where uh, where it gets even more interesting. I guess I went to UCO right out of high school. Okay. Yeah. And uh, failed miserably. Just first year of college was horrible. Oh man. Uh, I uh, I remember just you know I had the, I I had. I was able to charm my way out of things in high school. Yeah. And yeah. when Co- I got to college, college so I was much. like, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. You uh, you either make the grades or you don't. And uh, I had to figure that out the hard way. And uh, I remember my second semester failing every class except for walking fitness. And I, I passed walking fitness with, with flying colors, except that I only went to that class twice. So I still to this day don't know how I passed walking fitness. And the fact that there was even a class called Walking Fitness <laughs> is hilarious. But, you know, you got to get those recreation credits yeah. in. So, anyway, um, yeah, I just bombed. And I still remember. Uh, and it was, a, it was a good learning experience for me, too. Because during that time, um, I was enjoying the freedom. Yeah that comes with being, you know, living under your parents' roof and then suddenly you're two hours away from them and they don't see everything you do and don't know about everything. And so, you know, just just living it up. And I still remember, I think it was March or April, uh, towards the end of my second semester of my freshman year of college, driving home and calling my sister and saying, where are you guys? And she's like, we're at Chili's. And I walked into Chili's, and there were my parents and my sister, and I sat in the booth and just started bawling my eyes out and was like, guys, I need to come home. I messed this year up real bad. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a very humbling, I mean, Robert Duvall's words, sometimes a man's got to be big enough to realize he's too small sort yeah. of moment. Yeah. So, but, uh, but, yeah, and I attribute that, too, a lot to, to church. I wasn't really going to church at all my freshman year, and that was one of the kind of catalysts for youth ministry for me. Yeah, absolutely. Was seeing, okay, I surfed on the back of my parents' faith pretty much all through high school, all through junior high, my whole life, really. And, you know, they, they held me accountable, so I didn't ever have to hold myself accountable. Yeah, so say more about that. What did, When you say surf on the back of your parents' faith, what did What'd that look like? It looked like routine. Ah. It looked like... Church doors are open, I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. It was... Yeah. I I don't know if it was because I was just too laid back and just didn't fight my parents on it. Because I would go. I didn't argue with them. You know, going to church, you know, cool. Let's go. But I don't, you know, looking back, I don't ever really think I went for any reason other than it's what I did. Yeah. You know? Was faith real for you then? No, no. Yeah. It was history. It was history. Because I've always been a big history buff. And you and my dad, remind, your offices are similar. You both have artifacts, as I call them, <laughs> or scattered throughout and swords and you know indiana jones offices as i say (laughs) of uh you know this belongs in a museum sort of stuff but um anyway uh so it was it was always fast i loved learning about the bible i love reading the stories but it was almost like reading the odyssey 
Mm. Yeah. So when you took off for college that first year, obviously it didn't go well, but what did you go intending to major in? Did you have some plans, some ideas for what the future might look like? So I had, I had an idea, but again, that was almost even based. I had ingrained in my mind at that point that like a lot of, because of church being such a routine for me, it was almost like Christianity was almost like putting on a mask. Mm -hmm. And so that was almost what it was like for me going to school. To be honest, looking back, and I see a lot of importance in, in you know, not, you know, you don't want to take too long in between high school and college because then, first of all, you forget, you know, I'm thinking now, like, I don't remember anything I learned in algebra. <laughs> you know, if I was going to have to go back now and try to do a math class, you know, oh, that'd be bad. But, but, um, but I do remember thinking, like, I don't really want to go to school, school, but um, it's what all my friends are doing. It's what everyone else around me is doing. It's it's kind of what's expected. And when people ask me, you know, what they don't say, what are you doing after high school? They say, where are you going to college? You know, and so that was what I did. And 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 whether that was, you know, I mean, it got me to where I am now. So that's not necessarily, um, you know, a bad thing. I think I think everything, you know, like what what we do for evil or whatever, God can God can use for good. But but I remember picking psychology, um, just thinking this is a field that could probably help me in just about anything I do. So since I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do yet, I'll just go with psychology and then I can, uh, you know. That's an interesting choice, Ross. I know it is. Knowing you today, psychology is an interesting <laughs> choice. <laughs> so you get home, year one is just, it's it's bad. And uh, did you get a little bit of grace at home? Did you go back for year two? What was what was the calculation then? I started working. Okay. Yeah. And my parents were like, "Of course, you know, yes." They were super gracious with me and and uh, said, "Yep, you can move in, but you're getting a job or you're going to school." And right now, uh, you don't have any money to go to school because <laughs> you just used all your money for school on your first year and you blew it. So. <laughs> Uh, get a job. And so I started working at Guitar Center in Tulsa. All right. Right yeah. up my alley, right? But yeah. it was the worst because I turned around and spent my paycheck there. And because so, <laughs> I, got, I got crazy discounts. Like, in fact, to this day, I still have a large chunk of my home studio from this stuff that I purchased during that time I worked at Guitar Center and yeah. got so cheap. But anyway, um, started working and, uh, worked at Guitar Center, but then um, I also started interning for a, my my youth minister at Claremore. Okay, yeah. For the youth group. For no reason other than um, it was community and money. <laughs> like, I was getting community by being around, you know, all the kids that was familiar to me because I was still just 19 and just coming out of that. And I was like, oh, this is familiar, this is safe. I get to hang around with you, but also I get paid to be here. This is fantastic. Uh -huh. And and so that's actually, unfortunately, that's how I started in ministry. But, um, but yeah, so, so working at Guitar Center, uh, working at the church in Claremore as an intern, uh, went back, started back at RSU the next year. Okay, yeah. 
um, said goodbye to Guitar Center because again I was blowing all my money there and uh, and yeah and so to this day I think I'm I'm 26 hours away from graduating because <laughs> because what's you know I, I got into ministry and then God was like you know what let's keep you here and so I've just stayed there but the thing is is it jumped into full time very quickly. Yeah, yeah. And so I've just kind of been knocking at chunks. I got gotcha. you. Chipping away at that, but uh, but I'm close. Yeah. I'm close, and I'm at NSU. So. So let's build some information for the folks here too. So yeah. Guitar Center Band Quince. That's not the only thing you play. I mean, you can do drums, but what else can you uh, play? Yeah. So. Anything. Ex- I don't do brass. Okay. Um, or reeds. Okay. But strings, keys, mallets, uh, just about anything, anything like that I can play. Um, Multi-talented. Now, well is not, notice I say I can play, but I didn't say I can play well. Yeah. I can play most of that stuff. All right. All right. So you got some musical gifts. That is clear. So we're going to pick that up again here in a moment because it comes into play in ministry in a pretty big way, not not too long past that. But so you you get into youth ministry at Claremore. Yes. Now is that like you said, is that just money and a paycheck or is God working on you at this point? What's happening? So God was working on me and here's why. Because all I was required to do as the intern was provide music. That's it. That's all he wanted from me at the time. Scott Jag was my youth minister or was the youth minister at Claremore at the time. And, and all he needed was someone that could play the guitar and, and lead some music. And so I was like, dude, I'm your man. Like, <laughs> You're going to feed me on Wednesday nights too? This is great. And so, yeah, and th- so that's how that started. And uh, anyway, then Meadow Creek was looking for a worship minister. And, and for people who don't know, Meadow Creek's in Collinsville, yep, just up the road from us. Yeah, right yep. down right down the road. Um, see, that's the thing. I, I told you, I have so much history in this whole area. <laughs> It's so neat to to be in the heart of it now, but uh, but yeah, and and so up till that point, you know, yes, I was the youth intern, but I wasn't really dealing with youth. In fact, I didn't want to. Hmm. I didn't want to. I and I'll, I'm being completely honest right now. This is a candid interview. I did not yeah. want to do yeah. youth ministry at the beginning. I thought um, there's no way I have the patience for that. There's no way. I can connect with them. I'm too different than that. You know, all these things, you know, the same stuff that everyone says to themselves when you're like, can you work with you? You know, but, um, but I did it. And I went to Collinsville kind of thinking, okay, because Collinsville was hiring someone for their contemporary service. I was like, I'll get out of the youth area. I'll just go just focus just on music and I'll be working with adults again. It'll be great. Uh-huh. They know their instruments and yeah. stuff. And, and so Brian Mangan was the pastor at the time, and uh, go over there, and he he hired me, and and uh, or they hired me, and and then about a month later, I was talking to him, and and they had someone that they were about to hire, on as a youth minister, uh, and about a month after I started as music minister, uh, Brian calls me, and it's like, hey, so do you know anyone in the area that they could be our youth minister part-time, our person just, uh, their spouse got a job in Arkansas and so they're moving. And I was like, hmm, 
how much does it pay? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh, well, it would be, it's the same amount as what we're paying you because it's part-time. So basically, instead of making this, you'd be making double. And I was like, well, I mean, I've interned for you before, <laughs> you know, started thinking, yeah. now I can finally get yeah. out from my parents' house and all these things, you know, these earthly things right. that, that Satan's like, take this. But then God's like, I'm going to use that for good anyway. So right. fine, go ahead. Yeah. You know, and and so and then so yeah so so they hired me as a youth minister as well uh fell in love with it because i quickly found out that uh my situation growing up was not unique to being a pastor's kid surfing on the back of your your parents face is not or, or faith is not uh unique to being a preacher's kid you know it's it's part of growing up i think i personally i think part of it is because of just the place we live in the Bible right, Belt, you know, right. oklahoma um, it's what people do even for status sometimes. And so most kids around are forced at some point to go to church. And so um, how do we take that and say, we're not forcing you because it's what we do. We're forcing you because it's really good for you and we want you to at least hear this, you know, and, and get a chance to make that decision for yourself someday. Um, so then I saw youth ministry as an opportunity to say, okay, kids, you learned all this stuff in children's ministry, but now it's time to own it for yourself because if you don't, trust me, I've been there. If you don't own it for yourself before you graduate high school, it's going to be bumpy. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be rocky. So how long does it take, and I don't know if this is at Meadow Creek or not, but where do you get to that intersection in life where it's, it's the epiphany? God says this is what I want you to do. And you're like, yep, I got it. So it was uh, summer of 2014. I was, I had just gotten back um, from, actually I just gotten back from England, uh, was over there on vacation. And um, a friend of mine, mentioned that they were looking for someone to do youth ministry in Enid mm. and um, full-time and also Meadow Creek was still part-time at this time too and so and so I wasn't I still wasn't quite launched yet I was still still living on my parents roof and and uh, but it was about that time and also I'll go and touch on this too being in England really really did something to my heart because I don't know if I know if you you've been to London if you've been over in that area in England have you been to England no not that not that area okay well let me tell you the churches over there at least in 2014 were more museums than anything else and that that tore me apart for mm. some reason Mm-hmm. And that really, like, that really got to me because we 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 passed one of the Methodist churches in uh, I, I want to say we were somewhere in Scotland anyway, and and uh, they had their big billboard of events, you know, and kind of like, kind of like how we have our billboards in the hallway out here, but it wasn't about ministry. They were advertising haunted house tours in the church. No way. Promise. Whoa. And that's when I was like. The church cannot end up like this in America. And that's when God was like, Ross, I might want you to do something about this. And so 
I so came you're... back and found out Enid was hiring, and I was like, okay, pack my bags, headed out there, and and actually I met Melissa, my wife Melissa, two weeks before I moved, <laughs> which is kind of funny because I told myself I'm like. I'm moving out here to the West. I'm going to be single when I get there and set up and maybe start a family. And God was like, well, you got to meet your wife before you leave. Yeah. So there's someone we need to talk about. So two weeks before you move, you meet her for the first time. I do. Well, okay. So, so I didn't meet her for the first time. Okay. Let me All go right. back real quick. So All we right. actually right. went to high school together. Okay. And we were friends in high school. We were in choir together, uh, but we never connected uh, definitely on a romantic level. Uh, and it's kind of funny. I, you know, I don't know if this is bragging on myself or anything, but I know. Go ahead. We can Mel brag. <laughs> Melissa, uh, actually revealed to me later. And I think she has, she has pictures of it too, that in high school, she actually wrote my name or like wrote Melissa Crawford in some of no her way. Yes, yeah, she did. I promise. <laughs> she, so she had a, the biggest crush on me in high school. And did you uh, know? I didn't, I was so stupid. I had no clue. I had no idea. But again, that's kind of how God works. Because if if she had started dating high school me, it would have been a disaster, disaster. So I'm glad that it it didn't happen. You had to get so, that first year at o, o, OCU. Out UCO. Of, UCO. Yeah, UCO. Out yes. Of. Yes. I had to get that out of my system. My wilderness year. Your wilderness. Call it. There that's you go. My wilderness yep. year. But um. But yeah. So I. In fact, in high school, I do remember this. There was a, there was a time when, uh, she actually she left her jacket in the choir room and we were all walking out and i saw it and i go oh melissa you forgot your jacket and uh, she comes back and on her way back she knocks over a music stand uh or maybe it was a chair or something metal and loud i just remember that and then she went to pick it up and all of them fell and then she went to pick those up and she fell on them and i just remember this kind of like as a oh that was really funny what i found out later is after that incident, she went and got in the car with her mom and bawled her eyes out the entire way oh, home no. because she embarrassed herself oh, in front no. of me. So anyway, now that we're married, she realizes that there was no hype necessary and that I'm just <laughs> a goofy dude. And uh, yeah, absolutely no hype necessary. In fact, uh, you're going to have to give her a heads up before this drops. Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. She's going to. She won't murder me. Not yet, anyway. We'll see. So, cool. So, you all meet. You get moved over to Enid. Yeah, so and... we reconnect at church. Okay. She starts coming to yeah. one of the services yeah. in Claremore. Um, and uh, I had kind of helped launch a uh, young adult college-age ministry over there. And, and she had started coming to that. And actually, her brother had started coming. And her brother told her that I was there. And so, she started coming, too. And then we reconnected and was like, oh my gosh, it's been so so long, you know, and great to see you and and uh, like wildfire, man. Cool. Yeah. Did she move to Enid with you? So not at first. Okay. She actually, um, because we, you know, we have very uh, pretty strict beliefs on, on uh, marriage and, and the institution of it and stuff, and so we didn't... Um, you know, we talked and we discussed. You know, we didn't want to live together sure, until after yeah. we were married. Yeah. Um, so she had to find a job in her own place before she could move to Enid. And also, it wasn't super serious at first. You okay. know, two weeks. Yeah. But we also talked and we were like, we want to make this work. This is cool. Like, you know, this is awesome, you know, that we've reconnected like this. And 
And so uh, I think it took, I think it was February. So it would have been about eight months after we started dating. Uh, she uh, transferred from OU to um, in nor Northwestern out there, Northwestern Oklahoma State and uh, got a job as a teacher at one of the elementary schools there and found an apartment. So fantastic. Moved up there and, and joined the church. And then by the time, actually, when we moved, she was working as the receptionist at the church in Enid and, and uh, was totally, totally part. It's, it's fun doing ministry with her. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So how long were you at Enid as the youth director? Three years. Okay. Yep, three years, and uh, that uh, the summer of was it twenty seven, twenty seventeen? Yeah, twenty yeah twenty fourteen twenty seventeen summer twenty seventeen. Uh, I was talking to to BJ at camp, and he told me that the opening was here, and and we had talked. You know, Melissa and I were married now. Yeah. We talked about starting yeah. a family, and. Uh, Child care is very expensive, but grandparents, not so much. And we were like, let's move a little closer to the grandparents <laughs> uh, because uh, they need to be around them, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so we wanted to. Uh, anyway, we want to be closer with our to our family. Uh, also, our best friends are here. Um, in fact, the boy that I was sticking dead birds on sticks with at the beginning of the interview uh, <laughs> lives here in Owasso now, and he and I have been best friends literally since we're three. We, we were three. Wow! So um, it's a win-win-win to get back. It's a win-win-win, and then we instantly fell in love with the church here. I mean, it's just and again, so many memories being in Claremore, and just just the relationship that Claremore and Owasso had yeah. always had. And now one of my other best friends, BJ, is at Claremore, and we get to do a bunch of fun stuff together. So it's just, God's awesome. Just the way yeah. he works is so cool. It is amazing, amazing. Yeah. So uh, married, uh, you do your tour in Enid, you get hired back here at Owasso, and you mentioned a minute ago you talked about starting a family. Yes. And then God honored that and you all have well it's your story you got to tell me yeah so little little man little man he is the best <laughs> he's almost two he's let's see he's 20 20 months 20 months old uh so he's getting closer to two um just as wild as can be he has so much energy just does not stop moving um but yeah we we're very, very blessed to uh, to have him, and and just it's just awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's Ray Roscoe Crawford the fourth. Fourth. He is number four. Yeah, we call him Quattro, uh, much to my <laughs> wife's displeasure. Um, but yeah, so he's got the family name, and and that's that's another great thing about living so close to my dad is yeah. is having three generations of Ray Roscoe Crawfords right here. And then my grandfather, uh, my granddad passed on some while back. But, but Pretty uh, cool. Yeah. So let's shift gears a little bit. Tell me a little bit about your ministry here at Owasso. Now that you uh, people know you, uh, you, they're loving on you, you're loving on them, you know the system, what's ministry like here for you? 
So ministry uh, is exciting. It is different because these not not that you know not that I've ever worked with dumb youth, but but these kids here are so stinking smart. They're so smart, dude. And 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 so you know the the conversations we have are just on a level that I never expected to have with youth, which is really opened up some really deep studies um so it's fun um it's always evolving because of school schedules especially right now with COVID. Yeah. that's a yeah. whole other animal but um but it's uh it's just a tight-knit family that is looking outward yeah is the best way I can say, you know, like they're all holding hands in a circle, but they're not looking at each other. Like they love, they love it when new people come. They love serving other people, and it's just, it's just awesome, man. I mean, you know how it works. You, you learn just as much as they do because you're yep. the one teaching it, and yep. and so, uh, you know, I find myself a lot of times having to step up what I'm teaching them because they're like, oh, we get that, we understand that, you know, let's move on to something deeper and and meatier and i'm like all right well okay then let's do it so uh but yeah it's fun it's it's amazing and we and also with my musical background we have so many musically gifted youth too and that's amazing in fact you you know abram i don't know when this is airing but uh i think abram's playing this weekend friday so uh playing the fiddle playing the fiddle abram abram vincent smith learned his middle name today actually yeah there you go so ministry's thriving, doing great things. Now, I know because I'm in the staff meeting with you at least once a week that there are some dreams or some new things you're talking about, working with your youth leadership team. Uh, is, are, are there any of those things you can tell us what's coming in the future? Absolutely. So one of, you know, I feel like all of us have been having a lot of epiphanies this this year you know mm. <laughs> a lot of, been learning a lot but also our environments have been totally disrupted and so there's a lot of room for new ideas and new developments and new growth and and so one of the epiphanies i've had this year was you know looking back at youth ministry you know talking about surfing on the back of my parents church all through high school you know well, well why did i do that well one of the reasons was because i was entitled and selfish and lazy but Another big reason, I think, um, is because um, just youth ministry in America wasn't the most effective. I mean, you know, we see millennials are falling off right now, mm-hmm. falling away from the church and have been. And those are all the same folks that were in those youth ministry programs in the 90s that were, you know, hacky sack church or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> that, and and so one of my – but one of my big – big epiphanies this summer was uh, youth ministries needed to change for a long time. And why hasn't it yet? <laughs> why does youth ministry still look very similar? And we've made some changes, but, uh, and I'm talking about glo- like universal, like Church of the United States of America. Right, right. Youth ministry still looks really similar to that same model hmm. that kept hardly anyone <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like glued there wasn't mm-hmm. sticky faith and so 
how do we do that now as a church? And and one of the things that that I've really been been brewing on lately is is instead of primarily focusing on um, just discipling. Now, I mean, discipling the youth is obviously always going to be really important to youth ministry. But another thing to bring to the table at the top of that priority list is how do we come alongside those families yeah. of the youth and say, hey, you know what? We can teach your kids about Jesus, but the real discipleship happens at home. Mm-hmm. And it's time for us to start coming alongside those families and saying, we're here for your kids, but we're also definitely here for you. And we want to kind of hold your hands through this process so that it sticks. Because, you know, kids have band 24, you know, 7. <laughs> it seems like, yeah. you know, as a band parent. Band and sports and... All just, these different things yeah. require so much time and effort. So yeah. so why does discipleship... Why, why are we not making more of an effort to extend that discipleship teaching throughout the week at home? Um, you know, making it much more effective. So... Just some things we've been thinking about, and, and one of the one of the things that we see as an opportunity to kind of um, start coming alongside those families is revive. You know, we talked about launching yeah. it back in the spring. Yep, yep. Um, and then COVID. Yeah, yeah. Man. Yep. And just the irony that it, we had planned on launching it on April Fools. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, but uh, again, God can use anything for good. And I think one of the things that's really good that's going to come out of that is, uh, you know, we, we've talked recently about mm-hmm. um, making Revive kind of almost like a a mobile campus almost of moving around town and worshiping in different places with the community. and But then coming alongside these families and saying, here's some family activities at this worship service that can really drive home the message and you can take stuff home, and here's some talk sheets for discussing the lesson further throughout mm-hmm. the week with your kids, stuff like that. Um, and and so, but that also gives the youth a chance to serve in that capacity. And like I touched up on earlier, how like you and I learn probably more than anyone just because we have to prepare the lessons <laughs> when those kids are preparing these lessons and preparing these acts of service, they're learning more than anybody about what it means to follow Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And so my hope and prayer is that this this service will will allow these kids to really get like a hands on you know, one of my favorite things growing up was going to Harmon Science Center. You remember that place? Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. Tulsa? Yeah. Because you got to play with everything and mess with it. this is this is that for discipleship. I want Revive to be the Harmon Science Center of discipleship yeah so yeah totally cool so revive is definitely a thing we we want people to know uh that revive is going to hit it is going to be a thing so just stay tuned for details and uh yeah it's just a creative time we got to figure out how to do church i mean we did parking lot church we did streaming church we're kind of doing normal sunday church and now we're talking about Facebook church. Yep. You know how that's going to be awesome too. Yeah. Yeah. How do we reach people? Yeah. So let's shift gears one last time. Important okay. stuff. Yeah. What does what does Jesus mean to you? Uh, 
Jesus is the purpose. I mean, he is grace and mercy. And and I just scratched the surface of all the reasons I need mercy in my life, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> This Just is this is a public podcast. This is not confession. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> scratch the surface. Uh, but I don't know who said it, but someone once said like effective evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Mm. And Jesus is my bread. Yeah. And I want to tell everyone about him because he satisfies me deeply. You know, he he just Looking back, you know, twenty, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But, but looking back, and even now, like as I'm reflecting on all the questions you're asking me, just seeing God's hand at work in our lives, and and our only way to God's hand at work in our lives is through Jesus, and so Jesus is that connection, um, that that uh, the provider, and so, you know, He's my bread. <laughs> yeah. He really is a solution to to all the problems, not only in our lives, but all that's going on. Yeah, and that's why what you do in particular is so important with yeah. youth, um, so that we can help families and help our kiddos grow up to understand this Jesus who can fundamentally transform everything about them. Yeah, and make them who God really created them to be. So so important. And I think in this church, too, is just they get that. Yeah. You know, they really do. I, I, I've i never had a Sunday morning where I was short of volunteer. Hmm. Really. Since the time I've been here, I've always had enough adults upstairs. And that says more to me than anything, to be honest. So. So one last thing, not a question, but just kind of an open-ended uh uh, maybe a piece of advice from Ross about life. What would, what would you like to leave with people uh, today as we conclude our time together? You're not alone. You're not. That I mean, it seems simple, but you know these moments of vulnerability don't just have to come from podcasts. You know, like find a friend, talk to him this is a crazy time. And one of the things I've learned in the mistakes in my short time I've been here is that I'm not alone. Yeah. And so when stuff like this comes up, just gather, you know, what, however you can, <laughs> if it's not in person, social media, FaceTime was really fun. You know, I'm not being paid by them to say this by any means also, but house parties, a fun app to play on just <laughs> stuff, stuff like that. You know, you're not alone. And yeah, and I hope that even just as you're listening to this too, remember you're not alone. And also, hopefully, I've given you some insight into the other side of ministry, and maybe you feel a little bit better about knowing that we're not that different than you. <laughs> so Absolutely. we're all in this boat together. It's all all of us are in it together. Yeah, Rasa is such a good word. We're not alone. I mean, this pandemic thing has created aloneness for everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got a, a taste of it. And uh, boy, we just, uh, we need the church more than ever right now. Yeah. So Ross, I want to thank you 
uh, for taking some time today to come That's and just blast. share just a snippet of your story. I, I know we didn't, you know, get to all the meat and potatoes and things, mm-hmm. but uh, just to be able to have something out there for people to get to know you a little bit better, what, uh, what drives you and uh, some of your story. A story is just so important uh, to who we are and what God has for us. Mm-hmm. So, Ross, my brother, I thank you for the time today. Thank you, Pastor Jim. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Friends, I want to thank you for being here with us on Episode 4, a conversation with Ross Crawford, a Youth Director at Owasso First United Methodist Church. And we'll look forward to the next time that we gather. Uh, we'll have another great interview and conversation. And uh, just stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, pour yourself a cup of fresh Joe and enjoy. We'll see you soon.